Sup, y'all, and welcome to another episode of Press On Sports. I'm Jack Vita. Today's going to be a great podcast. If you missed our last podcast, I just want to tell you a little bit about what we did. We did a podcast on backyard baseball, and me and CJ Rivas, we just talked everything backyard baseball, talked about the kids. It was a lot of fun, so if you're interested in that, go back and listen to that. But today, we're going to be talking about the new Incredibles movie, Incredibles 2. I've got a great guest who will be joining me in a second. So we'll just be talking about our opinions on the film, what we thought. We'll take you through this. But first, I need to leave a little warning here that this podcast is going to include spoilers, as otherwise we wouldn't have a podcast to make. So uh, without much further ado, let me bring in today's guest. This is my friend who I went to, it's actually fitting because the first time I met you was when the first Incredibles movie was released, I believe. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a guy who's a film expert, studied film at Taylor University, Tommy Weber. Hey there. Good to see you, Jack. Yeah, good to see you, man. (laughs) Thanks for making the trek out here, join me in person. My pleasure. This is going to be a good episode. So let me ask you real quick, Tommy. Your, I know you do a lot with superhero movies, so I'm sure we'll have some comparisons to make throughout the podcast today. Your favorite superhero movie is what? Ooh, man. You know, I'm still riding the hype train from Infinity War. I absolutely <laughs> loved that. Um, but I think maybe I'll have to say I, Marvel Civil War was, okay. was up there for me. I haven't I really seen that, that one yet. It's good. It's on Netflix. Um, but I just liked the... Uh, the competing philosophies and the way that uh, the way that the argument between Captain America and Tony Stark escalated to to such a complex level, uh, thought it was uh, leagues ahead of what other of where other superhero movies tend to go to. Wow, I'm gonna have to check yeah, that out. I liked it. At this time, I should also say uh, quick greeting to everyone who's driving in their cars for Fourth of July. Uh, well, it's not even a weekend. It's the middle of the week. But can you believe we're in July already? It's gone by so fast. I still, I feel like it's still June. I feel like it's yeah. June thirteenth or something. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, summer goes by too quick. But Tommy, um, before we get into Incredibles two and stuff of that nature, I'm guessing you watched the original Incredibles movie recently? No, never. No. Nope. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. Recently, though? Uh, not recently. Okay. Um, but, I mean, it's still fresh enough in my mind, and uh, I catch bits of it uh, here and there, like either on TV or yeah. somewhere else. But, yeah. Yeah, it's a good cable movie. Yeah. You're flipping through channels. Yeah, for oh. sure. So... Yeah, lots of fun. What overall, where does the original Incredibles movie rank in terms of your favorite Pixar movies? Man, I mean, so for me, top Pixar is just the Toy Story movies. Yeah. All three of them are there for me, uh, and then I also, I, I think maybe Incredibles might be right after that. Wow. Sorry. Monsters, Inc. Okay. Monsters, Inc., then Incredibles. All right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, it's pretty high up there for you. Yeah, top five. And for me, I have it a little more in the middle of the pack. Okay. Um, I, just, I mean, it's overall solid movie, though, I think. Yeah. Um, so, this, let me ask you this. Do you think it warranted a sequel? You know, I think it's so funny because when they announced Incredibles 2, I, 
I definitely thought it was way too late. I was like, the boat, <laughs> the boat has been passed, and the the window of opportunity is is long gone. But they did a good job. They did a really good job, and uh, and I'm glad that they made another one. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I think I actually like that they waited a long time because one of the things we see right now is people make these studios make these superhero movies and they're like all right we're gonna just introduce you to the character in the first movie and by like the fifth movie we'll actually get to the action on what's going on here right (laughs) (laughs) they they very well could have made this a trilogy at the time it was in the era of all those superhero movies starting to become a big thing right yeah that was in the that was yeah at the point where I think Spider-Man 3 was still on its way and nobody knew it was garbage yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those um, X-Men movies. Oh, yeah. 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 Superman Returns was around Superman then. Superman Returns. Never Batman saw that Begins. One, Batman Begins. That changed the game for superhero movies yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Those are great. But, I mean, like, this was a movie for at the age we were when this came out in terms of, what, ten, we were what, 10, 11 years old. This is like the so, Pixar yeah. movie for that age demographic. Oh yeah, this was everything as a kid. I mean, superpowers in general are awesome, but anything yeah. that had to do with superheroes was. It didn't matter how good or bad it was. It was it was the best thing in the world. Yeah, I thought the writing in that movie was terrific. It was great, mm-hmm. really clever. Did a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, that's something that's always so great about Pixar is how seriously they take story and they will. I mean, if, if something isn't working, they will throw it all out and start over and, like, keep working at it until till it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I like that you brought up that we had to wait a long time for this um, <laughs> because we definitely did 14 years, and it was fun because they issued a little, what, a PSA, an apology right before the film came out? We I saw was, the cast. <laughs> yeah, that, I, that video was... I was not feeling that video, though. No? I was, I was just, th- like, the whole time watching it, I was like, yeah, you made us wait 14 years, you're going to make us wait five more? Like, we get it. Like, movies take a long time. Let's just watch it. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I just didn't think they had to apologize to us. I, I was mean, like, yeah, was whatever. That, right. That could have been a fun post-credits thing, because I, I waited after the credits. There wasn't anything there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I had to bolt for the bathroom after so i was i was hoping i didn't miss anything but i'm glad I, i'm glad now that i know yeah that I it's just all those superhero movies condition you to right wait. <laughs> yeah i mean i think even big hero 6 had uh ending after the credits. have not so, seen that yet. oh it's good yeah. yeah worth seeing for sure yeah so yeah. today we're gonna go deep in this movie we're gonna talk about again as i mentioned there are spoilers in this we're gonna talk about the whole movie we're just going to go through it chronologically of what we saw, what we liked, our general opinions, and explore some of the themes of this movie. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. So let's do this. You want to yeah. start with the short? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Bao. That was... I didn't know what it was called. Yeah, that was the title. B-A-O. But, uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, there was That was definitely... I mean, after that, I was like, I got to call my mama. got to tell her I love her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you're you're a guy that got married recently in the last year or two, so yeah, yeah. That re- did you relate to that at all in any way? In Bao, well, I mean, Bao is more of a mother son relationship than a husband wife relationship. Yeah. but but no, you you felt like you had to call your mom. Had to call my mom. Yeah, yeah. got to tell her I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, yeah, it was. I really liked it. I thought that it was just heartwarming and uh, and really sweet and 
But how about, how about you? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I had no idea what direction they were going with it. I was I was confused at first. I was like, first of all, I didn't know what kind of food that was that she was cooking. Uh, dumpling. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so then she's got this little dumpling walking around with her, playing soccer. She's scared that he's too young, he's going to get hurt playing right. soccer. <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I th- yeah, it was interesting. It, when it was happening at the time, I was... I wasn't quite sure where it was headed, and then when they cut to the they cut and you see the sun actually standing in the doorway, it all like came full circle for me. Yeah. I was like, wow, that was powerful. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. And that was like, I was very confused when she ate him. When she ate him, that <laughs> that part confused me too. That one, I need to uh, I need to like rewatch and just kind of understand a little bit more of like I don't know. Maybe that was like supposed to be. Like maybe she said something to her actual son that she just like can't take back and like really regrets mm, or maybe yeah. or, I don't know. It seemed like she wasn't ready for him to grow up. No, yeah. And he she was having a tough time. I actually was thinking when he showed up, I was like, is this the prodigal son type of thing where he just oh. came back and he had been gone for a long time? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I think it was just uh, uh, yeah, I think it is just a, a growing up story and like. A thing where, you know, she doesn't agree with all of the decisions that, you know, he's making and stuff. It seemed like she wasn't a big fan of, of his girlfriend. Yeah. Or anything like that. But yeah, then, uh, which you did not have to relate to. No, I did not. <laughs> no, yeah. My uh, my my lady has won over the family like, hundreds of times. Over. Yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's the short, unless you have any other thoughts on that. Uh, no, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, I, I think we hit on that pretty precisely, yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. So then we finally get to the action. We get to the opening of the movie. However, you were probably you were probably able to be a little patient with the short because I know you love your Pixar shorts. I love Pixar shorts. Pixar shorts are more often than not my favorite parts of seeing Pixar movies. I think that they're so great, especially these last couple ones have have been really killing it. Um, couple of my favorite ones were i like sanjay's super team yeah i was, i didn't see that one that one was really good that was the short before the good dinosaur yeah i saw was, the good dinosaur which was pretty bad <laughs> yeah that was so bad i was this is uncharacteristic of pixar i didn't see but, it in theater so i didn't see the short but. oh you're lucky but no sanjay's super team was really good i also really liked there's another short that pixar made that didn't show up before any of the uh, movies because they wanted to make one that was more mature, more adult oh. in theme. Uh, it's a, like a Western called Borrowed Time. Hmm. And that one was really good. It was very sobering and um, and just an interesting concept. It's worth checking out. It's on Vimeo. It's only like five minutes long. Okay. But yeah, Borrowed Time is really good. Cool. Yeah. I'm sure uh, the listeners and I will have to check it out. Yeah. The My favorite, real quick, my favorite Pixar movie is Bug's Life, for the record. Yes. Bug's Life. That one had a really good short, too. That one was... Jerry's uh, Game. Jerry's Game. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry's Game is classic. Yeah, that's the classic that I think of when I think of Pixar shorts. Yes. And that is a, that's a movie that will be po- podcasted on later this summer. Perfect. Yeah. Man, Bug's Life. I have to rewatch that. It's so good. <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this. We're here. We're at The Incredibles now. Yeah. We're finally 14 years later. Man, Finally. It opens up with Tony Ridinger, I believe is his name. Right. Getting his memory erased, which was like a Men in Black 
type of device. Yeah. <laughs> or that Tommy Lee Jones looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> His name is, I got it here, Rick Dicker. Rick Dicker. <laughs> he takes good care of the supers. Yeah, he does. Yeah, they're um, kind of their their agent almost. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a cool opening, I thought, looking back on the events, but then simultaneously showing us what's going on. Yeah, it was cool seeing the the events of the of the end of the movie through the eyes of a civilian. Yeah. 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 We saw. So this is how the Incredibles ended. Which this is what was interesting. I talked about with some friends after the movie came out. Would you have rather seen a continuation from the last movie where you see, okay, here's the Underminer, which was like the tease back in 2004, or would you have liked to see this family in a different stage where now all of a sudden Jack-Jack is a little kid, it's a few years later, and uh, you know Dash is maybe in eighth grade, Violet's in high school... We, um, Violet may be in high school at this point, but... Yeah, I think she is. Okay. But would you like to see the family a little bit older, or were you glad that this was just a con- straight continuation from the last movie? Having seen it now, I'm glad that they did a straight continuation. Mm-hmm. I really liked what they went for, yeah. and I think that there's more to go off of in relation to a superhero's relationship with the public, where they're still fighting for... Uh, being allowed to be legal yeah. again. I think that that was right. But when they first announced that, I thought that was really weird. I thought they should just jump ahead in time the amount that uh, that we've had to wait so we see who they are 14 years later. I thought that that would be the play. But I liked what they did instead. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm glad that they continued it because I would have. it would have been weird. I would have always wondered what happened to John Ratzenberger. Why isn't he showing up in this Pixar movie if right. we don't see the Underminer? <laughs> so I, I like that. I also love the way they did this. Like I said, um, conti- simultaneously showing us like in retrospect of Tony talking to Rick Dicker and then simultaneously showing us what's now going on through that as now it's all of a sudden it's happening in the present so I, I like that a lot yeah and it was hilarious when Violet takes off her masks and he's, <laughs> he's just like it's like is he traumatized by that is he just very confused by that right just blown away like oh my gosh she's got superpowers she's, a, she's one of those super mutants <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny because this is where we're first introduced to the idea of Okay, go go wait with Jack Jack, which seems like a continuous theme in this movie where you don't want to be the one stuck with Jack Jack. You want to be getting in on the action. However, Jack Jack ends up to maybe be the ultimate hero in the end, which is fun. Yeah, Jack Jack was uh, it was funny how he was kind of treated as a, as an anchor and then you see that he's got all these crazy powers in yeah. him and yeah, it didn't it didn't occur to me either until uh, partway through the movie that yeah they didn't actually see Jack Jack exhibit any powers when he yeah wrecked syndrome yeah so, they, <laughs> so the fact that they were all blown away by it I was like yeah of course but then yeah <laughs> yeah so then the next thing we see is they're called into action and they all end up helping out and this was a really great 
I think this is a great way to for the sequel to open up. So we get to see them all doing a little bit. It wasn't just one of them fighting. So we got to see that they all still have their powers. They're all still powerful. They have fun fighting together. Also, I think this is about three months after Syndrome, the whole Syndrome incident. Talking about the Underminer fight? Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think that's a, a fair assessment that it was, you know it's taken some time and now they're more well-adjusted and stuff. Getting back into society after right. the island. Yeah. It may have even said three months later at the end of the oh, first yeah. Incredibles. That makes sense, too. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. So then I thought it was hilarious how they keep passing Jack-Jack back and forth while they're all racing over the <laughs> fight. <laughs> Playing a little baby football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I like that. It was cool seeing them function as uh, as a unit in the in the underminer fight and seeing how much they could accomplish together as a team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that was really cool. So then the next thing is the so they fight the underminer and he gets away, which is kind of similar to the opening of the first movie where Bomb Voyage gets away and they're just like, so you did all this and he got away and stuff got destroyed and then. We, this is the first part we see with the media putting some sort of spin on this where it's like these heroes just make things worse and that's going to be a theme that we watch throughout the movie. Right, and that's something that I think is interesting seeing in movies and it, it always bothers me a little bit in superhero movies when you see all this crazy destruction happening to cities and everyone in the, in the city is just like, oh, thank you and all yeah. this stuff. And like, they don't really address... All the construction work that has to happen yeah. afterwards and all the things that have to get fixed and the taxes will skyrocket. <laughs> and like so I really like when movies like Incredibles or I think Spider Man Homecoming did this, um, or or Marvel Civil War when they address like, no, there is a fallout yeah. to the uh, disregard for your environment when you are in the middle of these fights and you gotta, you know, try to keep the fight away from people so that you can do what it takes to stop these people. But if you're just doing what it takes and you're around civilians, you're getting a lot of people hurt in the process. So I think uh, I like it when movies address that situation. I think The Incredibles as a franchise does a great job of playing the what-if game. What if superheroes were real? Would we accept them in society? What kind of role would they play within society? I think it's real believable that they would be rejected. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, too, in some in some scenarios where it's the only difference between a superhero and a vigilante is the fact that they have powers. And yeah. when you think about it in that way, it's almost like they are walking unregistered weapons. And so it's interesting to think about, you know, oh, well, would, we, would we trust a stranger to do the right thing if he's got guns for fingers? Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> So then we see Frozone. He's in the scene too, helping out. Yeah, Frozone. And so this, great, fan favorite, total fan favorite. Is he? Is this the part where we see him talking to Honey again, or was that later? I can't remember. Uh, I think that was the scene. That yeah, was the so scene. That's where, the callback yeah, to "Where's the, my super suit?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked that they didn't milk that. I liked it was just a little thing, and then they yeah. moved past it. I really, uh, I thought that was the appropriate amount of 
of time to spend on honey. Yeah, so yeah. like the opening of this movie is basically fan fiction. It's everything that you think about and all of a sudden now it's just out there and you're just having so fun seeing it all come yeah. together. It's just really going ham with uh, with all the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So then we have the fallout of this whole thing and I, I can't exactly remember what happens. Does the government basically say like you need to go into hiding again or what happened was the so the underminers uh the underminers plan got sort of foiled but uh it but at great cost to the city and a, a lot of destruction and then um the uh and then Dicker was able to put them in the winter, the the witness protection program one more time as a result of this because they were just out in the open doing this stuff. Um, but then the news, of course, you know, ran with this and talked about how this is irresponsible and uh, this can't this can't be happening and what are we doing to stop this and like why is the government covering for these people and so then the government shut down the witness protection program for them so uh, it was the last time that they were going to be able to utilize Dicker to cover for them whenever they get caught doing super stuff yeah so that's that's what we see we also see Frozone fleeing the scene where I think he freezes does he freeze a cop I think that's the first one. He froze, he froze a cop. I think this one, Frozen, I think, was just able to get out of there. Okay. Maybe. I thought he may have frozen someone's feet. Oh, that sounds familiar. They get out of the car, they see him. I thought that was a cop. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Stay with, stay patient with us, guys. We only saw yeah. this movie once. I'm yeah. sure there are some <laughs> listeners who have seen it four times. And right. <laughs> are like, wow, you guys are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> but so now we get to the part where now they're living in a motel, mm-hmm. and they're still struggling with living in society and not knowing what to do with their powers. And they seem, once again, very bored. Yeah, it's especially Mr. Incredible. Yeah, there's definitely that lost sense of purpose. He had it for a second where he could be his hero again, and now it's gone. Um, and I think his kids are kind of feeling the strain of that too. At least Dash. Um, but uh, but then you've got you've got Violet who's just trying to focus on being a teenager, and then you have Elastigirl uh, who is most concerned about. The kid's safety and doesn't want to do superhero stuff anymore because of the fact that it's illegal and uh, and that kind of comes into play too with a lot of the with some of the themes of well is it more important to do what's right or is it more important to follow the law even if we have the ability to do what's right are we what's best for society and yeah yeah so here's the first taste of deep stuff that we get yeah <laughs> this is where it starts to get deep with some of these themes and yeah. then. Frozone shows up at the motel and he says, hey, I got some kind of a... He's like, I got away. I didn't have to deal with any of that. And then he says, I got some kind of a contact to go over to this uh, dev tech corporation. That's right. And he said, there's this guy who wants to meet with some supers. And I was thinking, wow, they're really going to fall for this again? Yeah. <laughs> this sounds too familiar. <laughs> I'm surprised how trusting they were. Right. They'd be like, oh, the last time a rich guy approached us with superhero jobs, we almost died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of X-Men where it was like, find the mutants, find the mutants. Right. Oh, man. But no, but it, this time it happened to work out well for them. So, you know, I guess to an they extent. lucked out. <laughs> to an extent. 
Uh, so I guess they lucked out. <laughs> so we're introduced to Winston and Evelyn. I, yeah. I keep forgetting her name. It's right. just like she's the shady one. Yeah, Evelyn. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this. So they're a telecommunications uh, corporation that... Uh, were they continuing their parents' company or did they do it they were, themselves? They were continuing their parents' company. It was kind of a Bruce Wayne situation. Yeah. Um, but instead of them becoming Batman, they just, well, at least Winston just really believed in superheroes and wanted to uh, provide the funding for them to help bring their reputation back. So, Tommy, I think you can help me here with a little bit of the backstory because this is important. I knew this was going to be an important flashback at the beginning of what happens to his parents. Right. Someone, one of my family members started whispering to me during this. So I missed a little bit of this. So. No theater whispers. Yeah, I know. And then the same person whispered to me again, a later point, which I'll also need your help on. All right. Yeah, just said, stop. Like, please stop. Yeah. (laughs) But I saw the part where. He's basically, I don't exactly know what his role with was with the superheroes, Winston's dad. Mm. I But I did see the part where, so they talked about he's really tight with them and he had these phones and he tried calling them all up and no one came in time and they got killed. That's kind of the, that's all the important beats was okay. he was just somebody who really believed in the supers and kind of helped... Uh, with setting up these emergency lines, like the you know classic old old school superhero stuff, and um, and yeah, but nobody nobody came to answer uh, in that in that time because it was illegal. Yeah, yeah. So what what how was how do you know them? That's what I was wondering because that's the part that I missed. That part I'm that part I'm blanking on. I'm not okay. entirely sure how that one worked. All right. Yeah. That's fine. My I, bad. <laughs> I can cut that out. <laughs> so, but Winston just still thinks superheroes are the coolest thing ever. Yeah. We're introduced to him. And I loved him as a character. He was great. And I also love Bob Odenkirk as an actor. And so I, I just enjoy hearing his voice. He has such a, a smooth voice. Yeah. Uh, one of my family members, I think he said, oh, that's the guy from Breaking Bad while yeah. we were watching the film. Saul Goodman. I think you can guess which family member that was. Right. <laughs> I don't want to publicly yeah. embarrass no. <laughs> him or her. No, but no, nah, man. But that show's great, and he's great in it, and yeah. But he's so Winston's a lot of fun. He sings the theme songs, which was fun. You missed that um, during the credits. They played all the different theme songs. For oh, the they superheroes. did. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's so really cute. They'll have it. to really. They'll probably release that on some soundtrack I'm or sure, something. Yeah. Yeah. But I love Winston because. I pe- some people who listen to podcasts they only know oh yeah I'm a podcaster but um, my actual part time job part time I should know is I do work in public relations so I'm very familiar with a lot of the stuff that of the spin the sin of spin as they call it yeah. in the industry <laughs> and Winston we keep seeing this throughout where. They take Elastigirl into this bad part of town, and he's just like, it's a superhero's playground. Like He's trying to spin everything positively. I thought that was a lot of fun. I love yeah. that. <laughs> oh, man. He could sell an ice cube to an Eskimo. <laughs> yeah, he could. Yeah. I, I really liked the, uh, the dynamic between... Uh, yeah, the brother and sister and, and their different approaches and beliefs to... Uh, 
what superheroes mean to the world, and I guess we know we gave the spoiler warning ahead of time, so yeah. we can just yeah go say for this. it. Minute I laid eyes on Evelyn, I pegged her as the bad guy. I, I did was, too. Yeah, it was just yeah. She just seemed she just seemed shady. Yeah. But then uh, uh, I think just the way they designed her character with just the sunken villain eyes and stuff, and also I felt like I noticed there was this ongoing from like the very first thing that she contributed to the team was all this data and stuff in support of uh, Elastigirl's effectiveness to uh, saving the city versus Mr. Incredible's uh, penchant for destroying things. Right. <laughs> and, but I for, and I forget how she worded it, but there was something, there was some way that she worded it that made me feel like she was trying to drive a wedge between them. It was more than just making it about a PR play and yeah. a little bit more about trying to pit them against each other almost. And it didn't turn out the way how I thought it turned out when they did go against each other yeah. later. But that was something that I had, I had picked up on and got suspicious of. Yeah, I yeah. thought right away the fact that they were going into this, I was like, this is, there's got to be some form of conflict. So I doubt they're calling them in and they're actually going to find villains for them to fight. Like I thought there was going to be something internal here. I was a little weary of Winston because he kept putting the spin on everything, but at right. the same time, I really wanted to like him. So yeah. I'm like, I really hope he's not a part of this. So I was happy that he wasn't. Me too. Yeah. And I thought it would be too easy to, to be like, oh, the, the, the yeah. PR guy who spins things for a living is actually the bad guy and like yeah. corporate's evil and like all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It'd be too easy for Pixar. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, yeah the, definitely the part where right away, right when she's called into action, there's a train that goes, it's a runaway train that goes the opposite direction that they're opening up. I was like, there's there's got to be something here. Right. Especially the screen slaver idea. It was kind of similar to what Iron Man 3. A little bit. Well, a little bit in that the Mandarin was able to reach out to a lot of people where I think it's different is while the Mandarin was just reaching out to people in the same way that terrorist cells reach out to them just to speak with people, Screenslaver, you know, is specifically utilizing technology to hypnotize people. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea of I'm going to use these other people look like they're the face of being the villain, but I'm the actual villain. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I thought that the I thought the concept of the screen slaver was interesting and really timely. Um, you know, for these days, I mean, you know, technology is always uh, a topic of discussion, and I think that they did a good job making the screen slaver kind of kind of hammy and kind of like using very. Um, tired cliches in his in the public declarations and then when you find out that that person was just a front for the actual screen server yeah. i thought that that was uh really good that the 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 actual villain wasn't this monologue or wasn't this person right. who has these um like a 15 year old's idea of what the, yeah. the world works or something and <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i liked that yeah, but that, so this was really cool. The whole, so they're brought in by DevTech, and basically what Winston establishes, his goal is, and then going, having that flashback of what happened with the parents, it definitely made sense, which made Evelyn um, similar to Syndrome in a lot of ways, where 
where you can understand where the, her intentions are coming from. Right. She's been disillusioned by heroes as well. And it's interesting seeing how Winston, on one hand, just blame, like, you know, cast the blame on the government for making supers illegal. And it's just like, well, if the world would just see supers as the good thing that they are again, then something like that won't ever happen again. Whereas Evelyn was like, they should have been there, period. And it's ridiculous that he didn't just dial 911 yeah. instead of. Uh, instead of relying on these these masked freaks, <laughs> I thought I was uh, I thought that was a uh, a good way to approach you know the two ways you can look at those situations of a, of a lost loved one. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that. I thought that was really cool. And he basically pitches, all right, here's the idea. I want to make supers legal again. But we're going to have to do... we got to be strategic about this. So this is more PR stuff that I'm enjoying. Yeah. And Elastigirl was the natural choice for... If they're going to try to do this again, let's go with a female. Um, maybe less offensive, like you said. Maybe Mr. Incredible's just breaking stuff, but... I think that was... I think if I were if I were working for a PR firm, I think of Frozone, Elastigirl, and Mr. Incredible, I'd pick Elastigirl also. Yeah, me too. Especially just because of the... The, the destruction alone, the fact that Elastigirl can't topple a building with her stretching powers is a safe place. She's yeah. very much more... I mean, you know, like, being rubbery... Like you are just naturally a cushion. You're you're much more built for protection than you are for smashing. So I think that I would have picked that too to to win the graces of people again. Yeah, and I I think it was cool. Um, similar with right now, I feel like we really want to as a society create more female leaders that and too. Um, empower young women. And I feel like she was someone that should could be a role model for a lot of young girls for and, sure. Just definitely less offensive of a face than maybe someone like Mr. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that... I mean, yeah, there's definitely a play in that, too. I think they did a good job not mentioning that in the in the movie. Yeah. Uh, just because I think that would, that would skew weird because of how weird of a relationship PR has with people already. And then to... To pick a very a very good thing and giving little girls role models while also making these PR people suspicious, I think would send a mixed message. So I'm glad that the focus was more on the destruction thing than trying to um, mix in a good message that uh, that is tied to things that people are normally wary of. Marketers and PR people is uh, you know normally something that. You know, people like to hold a, a veil yeah. up against. And yeah. Yeah, definitely. She's a great selection. I also, I'm a big fan of Elastigirl. She's my favorite of the incredible family. Yeah. I mean, her power is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a great chance for Pixar to really get creative. We saw her flying in this movie. Yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't realize she could fly, but it makes sense. Right. And then she had that sick motorcycle. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they give her her bike and we find out that in her past, she had a bike and a mohawk, apparently. Right. <laughs> Right, I want to see that Elastigirl in like a flashback or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I do. <laughs> but basically, so they say this is how it's gonna go. We're gonna get Elastigirl. We gotta be careful about this. We gotta be very calculated. I think it's the right move. It's the right selection. 
And also, oh, the other thing I was going to say is that she's a mom, too. So she's relatable. Right. Moms are superheroes. It's I mentioned on the last podcast. That's right. It's all perfect. Yeah. And this is going to enable uh, Robert Parr. Uh, I'll refer to him as Robert Parr in this instance because yeah. he's not actively Mr. Incredible. Right. And he's supposed to be more than Mr. Incredible. If you go back to the last movie, that's what she asks of him. And throughout the first movie, he's basically Mr. Incredible. He can't be anything more than that. Yeah. This is going to enable him the most amount of growth that I think we'll see out of a character in this in this franchise so far, which I think was a really cool touch. Yeah, I really liked the... I liked the Mr. Mom plotline that he had and yeah. trying to trying to handle everything that Elastigirl was able to handle and um, and dealing with the kids and also trying to deal with the fallout of yeah. accidentally wiping uh, Tony's memory and getting violent <laughs> mad at him and yeah oh that was good so they get a new house. They get a new house, an amazing house. Super jealous. So you get the the fun stuff of Dash being super excited and just opening up portals of the right floor and the water and whatnot. Yeah, that was the one thing that I was like, "There's so there's part of me that's like just the house," but I knew that just the thing where you can just open up a, a swimming pool anywhere. I was like, "Oh man, my worst nightmare was." And then he dropped the couch into the pool. I was like, yeah, "That's it. That's yeah. my worst nightmare." <laughs> Right there. <laughs> so were you were you a little weary of this idea that they made Elastigirl a suit that did not come from Edna mode? Was that a sign of caution? Oh, I thought that was I thought it was funny. I mean, it is a, it is a sign of caution as well too, just being like, oh, they're going for somebody else. But I I was uh, I thought that was hilarious too because I knew that Edna wouldn't uh, wouldn't take kindly to that. Yeah. <laughs> and then sure enough, <laughs> yeah. sure enough, she was pretty upset. <laughs> yeah. So we don't get to see Edna for a while, but yeah. her appearance was definitely worth it down the yeah. road. Glorious. Oh yeah. So in all, in all her fabulousness, <laughs> she's great. Yeah. She's a great character. Absolutely great character. And the other thing is, so Robert is definitely motivated in this instance to basically be like, they have this scene where they're laying in bed and he's basically like, if you do this, I'll be able to be a hero again. So it's clear what his intentions are. But if there is a motivation that he loves his wife and wants to do the best thing for the family. And they, they don't know what to do in order to make money, which is, they, I, they do mention a paycheck. Yeah. Which is interesting, because we were wondering on the last podcast, how do superheroes make their monies? Right, how do superheroes make their money? And I think that was, I mean, I think that kind of builds into a concept that I feel not a lot of superhero stories have have tried to attempt. The only other uh, superhero story I can think of that that touched on that was uh, one of my favorite comic books of all time, The Watchmen, Um, which actually i think is what incredibles is loosely based on oh um yeah it's uh, uh watchman is much is definitely a much more adult uh story but it's about um superheroes becoming vilified and hated in the community and there's this requirement of like you either have to hang up the cape or you sign up with the government and then we're going to ship you over to Vietnam and you'll be superheroes over there for the Vietnam war oh, and like interesting. that was yeah it was really interesting but then uh and then they kind of go into this interesting idea of superheroes getting either a paycheck from the government or other superheroes who were like sponsors for 
companies. So there was some like Victoria's Secret type of company that was like, you know what, we should get a superhero like this. And so they got this female superhero and called her the Silk Spectre. And she was like a walking billboard for their like lingerie or something. And it was, oh. yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, okay. it's been years since I've read it. And hopefully <laughs> I didn't make a lot of people mad or something. <laughs> um, but that was an interesting idea of like, what if there was a superhero that was like, I'm Walmart man. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to cut crime down and slash prices. <laughs> Oh, that's good. So, yeah, so now we get this all set up. So Elastigirl goes out into a superhero's playground, and this train goes, oh, I don't know how, it, it goes away. It goes away. backwards. Yeah, it goes yeah. backwards. <laughs> and, yeah, we could tell where this was going. Yeah, it was headed, uh, yeah, just headed right, right off the tracks, and Elastigirl luckily saves the day and is able to, to stop it and then... You know, you learn about the screen slaver uh, hypnotizing the the conductor, uh, and then and then that's where the real mystery starts to begin. Yeah. So then, the next part I think is when she goes on the it's a news station or some TV show where they're doing a little profile, sit down interview with her. That's right. Yeah, like a CNN type show or yeah. And once again, who's there? Is Evelyn? She's the one who sets up the interview and is. Like off stage, of and all course. of a sudden everything's going awry. Yeah, just perfectly, perfectly positioned to keep <laughs> herself clear of suspicion because the screen slaver's off somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> and and then uh, and then everyone gets enslaved by the teleprompter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which th- I this was interesting. Someone in my family thought this movie. Would have been a little creepy if you're watching this as like an eight year old. A little little bit. It might be a little spooky. I think that it's par for the course, though, for Incredibles. Yeah. With, I mean, you know, in the first one, they had like dead people and. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that they even dealt with death and seeing skeletons and stuff is, um, you know, it's a bit different from what other Pixar movies go for. But uh, I think that it, yeah, I'd say for the most part, there weren't a lot of kids in the theater anyway, though. I saw a lot of adults yeah. <laughs> sitting with me for Incredibles. <laughs> I saw a lot of kids, actually. Oh, yeah? But I went the second weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, there are definitely a lot of people our age. We were the target demographic oh, for, sure. for this movie. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there are kids out there who, who you know, didn't even know. my. So my wife has, uh, like, a little Monsters, Inc. thing on her on her name tag. She works at a children's hospital. None of the kids recognize Mike Wazowski. Oh, they no. Don't know about, they don't know about Monsters, oh, Inc. Oh, no. Because they're watching Cars and stuff. And that, was, <laughs> and that was the other thing, too, is it was like Cars is, is their toy story. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's not right. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, so then uh, then we get this whole Robert's first day on the job of taking care of the kids, That's right? which is really funny. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thinking he can handle it, and then all of a sudden just getting his butt handed back to him real <laughs> quick. Yeah. He struggles with keeping Jack-Jack in his crib, and yeah. <laughs> he's just having a rough time, but I love how he's, I think he goes to bed for a little, he sleeps for maybe like a couple hours there a little bit and then jack jack gets into that fight with the raccoon was that that night i think it was that night okay that was because that's the night that mr incredible learns jack jack has powers okay i yeah. thought see i thought that was the, like a later night 
I think that was the same night because that was, uh, I think he didn't know what was going on with like Jack Jack getting out of the crib and stuff. Oh yeah. And then you see Jack Jack have this huge fight with the raccoon and he's like, what are you doing outside? How'd you get there? And then he starts manifesting his powers in front of him, and you're like, oh my gosh. And I, I'm wondering why that raccoon kept coming for more and more. I thought he would have retreated that by that point. That thing's got a death wish. Must have been, <laughs> must have been a rabid raccoon, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was doing. That was, uh, oh man, that was some Mortal Kombat fatalities. I mean, you're getting lit on fire, you're getting laser beams sniped at you. <laughs> He's just punching you and whatnot, and you keep coming back for more. For real. That, that raccoon's the real villain of the story. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I really like this when Robert just, he decides, like, alright, you know what? I gotta do this. I gotta man up. I'm gonna take care of my family. That's what I'm supposed to do. So he goes to sleep for a few hours, gets up early, and he helps. He learns the math stuff, and he teaches it to Dash, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was really great. It was nice to see him be a dad and be successful at what he's trying. It wasn't just 100% failures all the time. You just saw him being a good dad and having a hard time, as dads do, but... Um, but not completely being like, and that's why you should leave it to mom, yeah. like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was a, that wasn't the punchline, which was nice. Yeah. And Violet, meanwhile, is having a rough time with her date because right, because poor Tony got his mind zapped. Yeah, and she had that incredibly painful encounter at school. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so I feel this is like sad for both of them because he has his memory washed, and then she goes and he doesn't show up to the date, and so and this is again that was something left off from the first movie where. She basically says, "Hey, I like movies. Uh, I'll buy the popcorn." And right there, he he doesn't show up. Right, he left her. He left her stranded, and then he tries to make up for it with the uh, with the dinner date later, and trying to like go to the restaurant that he's a waiter at. Yeah, and stuff, and <laughs> which is I think one of the best. One of the best animation sequences ever is seeing her eyes like bug out and the water <laughs> shoot out of her nose was hilarious. It was it's so, so funny. funny. I think that was so funny. I may have been one of the only people laughing in the theater during the scene where she shows up to him at school and he's just thinking, <laughs> who's this crazy girl who thinks we're dating? And I don't know if you noticed this. He had some kind of a presidential campaign sticker in his locker. Oh, he did? Like, he was, like, running for, like, school president No, like, he was supporting a political candidate. Oh, like an I voted sticker? No, no, no. It said blank for president. I don't know whose name it said, but... Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I wonder who it was. Yeah. I wonder wonder if it's, like, a reference to any of the, uh, any, like, previous Pixar Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet there's, like, an Easter egg in there for that. Probably. And then maybe like a little bit of a piggy bank hanging out of the locker or yeah. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> yeah, right. Or like the uh, like Sully's fur fur pattern. Or yeah, something. yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, this is where the first thing we see, and this is I think they do a great job in this movie of wrestling with some social and political themes without having a necessarily political statement that they're trying to make. Well, uh, what do you mean? Well, you see them protesting for the supers. Should we right. legalize the supers? I think the supers are an oppressed group in some capacities. Right. 
And so I think there's stuff where there's a role of government in this movie. Are they going to allow them to be free? What's the deal? Meanwhile, they're not making some big-time political statement through the movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's interesting seeing politics get involved and imagining this what-if scenario of, like, you know, if these super-powered beings do, like, how will the government respond to that? Because obviously the government would have to have some kind of response or statement ready yeah yeah they can't just let this happen without anyone talking about it and it's it's wrestling with these what if questions that you mentioned meanwhile putting it through the lens of what would like realistically what would happen how would the public react to it because we've been having a lot of these marches and protests recently right and i remember there's a part where they're like I think she's driving through and there are people protesting for supers, but there are also people who are against supers at the protest. Yeah. On either side of the, of the lane and, um, everyone having strong feelings about it. And it's such an interesting, um, idea of, you know, on the one hand, we have these people who are fully capable of protecting us and, and doing the right thing. But is that responsibility, immediately thrust on them just because they're born super like does the government all of a sudden have the right to dictate what they do with their lives um or uh or is it even right to tell them that like they can't use these powers either it's you know it's kind of an interesting uh debate on uh it's almost like a, a gun control debate uh but if somebody was born with a gun (laughs) right yeah yeah because then it's like well you can yeah because then can you expect somebody to apologize for being born with this with this in their nature already and uh and and does the government have the right to step into somebody's life when it wasn't their choice to have this in the first place yeah yeah and i remember there's that we see that little girl holding a sign and she's like oh like hi and it says like the screen screenslaver is there. still underlined yeah. out there. And we're like, whoa. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the other thing, too, is I think that girl, like, didn't even notice, didn't even understand what she was holding. It was, like, something that her parents made probably. her or something. Yeah. And that's something that you could probably see today. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah a lot of a we'll, lot of times we'll dance around that subject. Yeah, we can dance around that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, yeah, I think, so I think... Pixar once again doing a what if situation. I thought that was cool. And then this is where I see some parallels with X Men movies because yeah. there's the oppressed with these mutants and they don't know how to, if they're supposed to hide their powers or what. Right. Which, I don't know if you knew this or not, but so X Men were created as like an allegory for uh, the civil rights movement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think. I think they can be a symbol for any group that feels oppressed. Exactly. And I think that's what makes it... It's so funny how, um, you know, there's this rule in story writing. The more specific you make the story, the more universal it becomes. And it's so interesting how there's nothing relatable about having laser vision. Nobody has laser vision. But having a movie about people responding to laser vision, people... um, being vilified for having it and uh and the person who has it 
feeling like that's not fair because they didn't choose to have it and all of that that comes with it it all of a sudden becomes so much more relatable because everybody's like well I don't have laser vision but I have other stuff that I feel like I shouldn't be held responsible for Um, I shouldn't be blamed for having in my life just because I was born that way and like yeah it's interesting yeah 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 Definitely. So that was really cool. I think we could skip ahead a little bit and we'll, we'll go back with some other things too. But so then we end up seeing Elastigirl, what she thinks. So we'll come back to this, but she, they think that they've gotten this green slaver. I think around this time is when all these other people with powers are coming out and saying to her, wow, you're a big time hero to me. We all relate to you. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was... It was so heartwarming to see other heroes looking up to these OG supers. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing that, like, oh, no, there are... There is a way. There isn't... You know, this isn't something I have to hide. There there are people out there who I can emulate that would do the right thing, and I want to do the right thing, too. I thought that was a really sweet moment. Yeah, and it was cool seeing some new power, some new characters. I believe her name is Void. Yes, she yeah. she really I think is the face of them all. Yeah, she was definitely the one, the poster child for the next generation of supers. Yeah, yeah. so we'll we'll get we'll come back to this because right. this will definitely play a part later on. But I think we can get to now. So she does that interview with Screenslaver, and then she's basically like, "I got to get out of here as fast as I can." Yes. And this is where, was this where Screenslaver starts talking to everyone and has this message about, we don't like real, we don't like playing games, we like watching games on reality TV and yeah. stuff like that? Yeah, talking about, yeah, we don't like doing things, we like watching other people do things, and uh, and then Elastigirl busting in and, and quote unquote stopping yeah. Screenslaver. So was that... So that was the part that I missed, part of that monologue. Okay. The monologue while she's going through the city, which I thought was really, really cool shots there. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was a really, it was nice, it was cool seeing the the tone be brought down in this very ominous and sinister uh, swing through the city trying to get to where... Uh, the screen slaver signal is coming from. So let's talk about this concept of the screen slaver because yeah. this is where I was interesting. I wanted to know what exactly was said, which I'm sure you don't have memorized. Yeah. I'm looking forward <laughs> to being able to rewatch this and hearing what that whole line was. But I was wondering about if this was a statement that the movie was making. I think it definitely makes you wonder what if people took these movie theaters and just hypnotized everyone and controlled people like that? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's definitely... Um, there's definitely a statement being made about how people are more often than not experiencing something through somebody else's eyes watching on the screen yeah. and, then, uh, and then becoming a self-proclaimed expert in this or... Um, or just choosing not to do anything with their own life because they're just enjoying watching other people do things with their lives. And, uh, and I think that was the screen slavers pretend uh, yeah. reason for being a villain. And then, of course, later you find out that it's the, the real purpose of the screen slaver is to, uh, is to permanently tarnish the image of supers. Um, but through the guise of this, of this figure who 
is looking to uh, take over the minds of people as they, you know, watch TV or are on their computers or, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if there was a statement in this movie of people are a slave to technology now and to their screens. Um, I don't know if there was a statement about or just that. thought. I think it was, I think the statement itself is a red herring. Um, because at this point in our life with technology, technology is just part of who we are. Like to have a movie that is trying to make a statement about dependency on technology yeah. would, be, would be like a movie that makes fun of us for wanting to use cars instead of <laughs> instead of walking twenty miles. Yeah, um, it's just it's just something that's like part of our life, and anyone who makes fun of other people for using technology is uh, uh, not self-aware enough to realize that they are also using technology, especially because the screenslaver uses technology to convey his anti-tech message. Yeah. But that's just me. That's just my opinion on on, on what that was. I think it was just a red herring than an yeah. actual statement. I thought it was just an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. Do you have any thoughts on Jack-Jack's powers? Uh, well, we'll go back to... We're kind of all over the yeah. place here, but... <laughs> This is where we're going to go next is what exactly are his powers? Do we I, know? <laughs> I think they mentioned something about they said something about how Je- uh, I guess supers as like babies exhibit a bunch of crazy powers oh, and then okay. like and then later as they grow older they settle into whatever their actual thing is. So I think Jack-Jack is just experiencing that. It's almost like a superpower puberty. Um which I think makes sense in my mind, but I like the idea of Jack-Jack just kind of being, you know, having this crazy amount yeah. <laughs> of, of everything going on. But, yeah, I like his, uh, I like, it seems it seems like his main focus is maybe shape-shifting. He seems to transform a lot into stuff. Like, he transforms into the demon baby, he transforms into, yeah. uh, like, a ball of lead. He can he multiply fire. He can multiply, yeah. It seems like he definitely is... It seems like his power is centered around um, manipulating reality. Is, is I think his power. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, is there anything uh, around here? I mean, we touched on a lot of this. Is there anything here that you want to talk a little more about before we get to this? No, I think that the, I think talking about Jack Jack and Edna is the is the perfect. Yeah, the natural. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, especially with I mean Jack Jack's powers and and having Edna have this new playground for a brand new superhero to make outfits for yeah. <laughs> and stuff and they're a perfect I, match for each other oh yeah i loved how how jack jack was um just able to uh completely emulate edna and just like have like a <laughs> mini me yeah <laughs> it was great so yeah. that was um so robert parr he needs some help with this baby and this is a realistic depiction of someone who's sleep deprived. I like that. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was so relatable. So many times, so many nights where I've, you know, been working on a project or doing something, and the next day I'm just, I'm on my, yeah. way, I'm on my last. A lot day. of times in <laughs> movies, like whether they're live action or if it's a cartoon, we never see the fallout from. Oh yeah, I stayed up all night doing this. So I right. like that they really took a part of this movie to show how exhausted he was. Right. He definitely... You could see that uh, there are some things Mr. Incredible uh, can't, can't come back yeah. from. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's a superhero, too, so you'd think he'd have more stamina than most people. Right, and you see, I mean, you know, he had gotten, I think, you know, he gets hit by cars and and destroyed by ro- giant robots and stuff, and then this little baby takes him down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. I love that. Yeah. There's that fun diner scene, which we mentioned. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he calls in, uh, he calls in... He needs help, and we knew it was going to Edna right when he said he needed help, right? Right away. It was a natural point to bring her in, and, yeah. and you if there's have anyone, to love Edna mode. Of course, and if there's anyone who knows how to accommodate for superpowers, it's Edna. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great little appearance that takes up a little bit of the movie, and it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. So then I think the next part of this is when... So Elastigirl busts the screen slaver. She receives all this acknowledgement and whatnot. And in the meantime, while we've talked about Evelyn, Winston is riding this high. He's, like, just loving life. Right. <laughs> this is a real win for him, he thinks. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're celebrating the, the, the arrest of the screen slaver, and, uh, but Elastigirl feels like it was just too easy. It's yeah. not... This is not supposed to be that easy when you have a, a villain of that caliber. Which we know because we're we know we are not at the end of the movie here. Right? Yeah, that's definitely not the climax. But um, yeah, so seeing her kind of like reviewing the footage from her suit's body cam and stuff, and uh, and thinking about the the evidence of this guy was just like a pizza delivery kid before then. You're telling me he's like a super genius. Yeah. <laughs> and Winston, Tommy, if you didn't notice this by now, he's a little bit naive. Little, yeah, <laughs> a little, yeah. He's got a little bit of a tunnel vision. He, uh, he, he seems to uh, count all of his chickens before they hatch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, we find out what's really going on. Evelyn's plan. Her motivation here is, I gotta get rid of these superheroes because they hurt me when I was little. They right. weren't there. And why should we try to be dependent on them if they can't help us? Right. What's so great about superheroes if they can't do their job? Yep. Yeah. And kind of becoming disillusioned with uh, people who are supposed to protect you. And um, yeah, and that's the yeah. So that's the big reveal. And then she puts her her hypnotizing goggles on Elastigirl. Yeah. And Elastigirl becomes her first puppet. And I was like, dang it. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, no, not Elastigirl, because yeah, I no. really wanted to see her kick more butt, and now <laughs> right. she's going to be used as a pawn here. Yeah. Oh, man. But then, uh, yeah, and then uh, she calls in She calls in Robert. Robert gets uh, Robert gets frozen to babysit. Yep, then, which is uh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love how Frozone. I think he he came in a little bit before he exactly had to leave, but he's like, I need a little help here also. And Frozone's yeah. gonna help me with the kids. <laughs> right. They love him. Everyone loves Frozone. Uncle Lucius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's uncle now. Yeah. But yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then you see a little Mister Incredible Elastigirl fight. Oh, that was great. Yeah, yeah. That was so funny. Uh huh. But then uh, yeah, and then Elastigirl tricks him into into letting his guard down so she gets the glasses on him. Yep. Yeah. And there was that also that really funny part with the Incredible. Yes, the Incredible. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Mr. Mr. Incredible's uh, vehicle. His but, ride. Yeah, that's right. I loved seeing Jack uh, or not Jack Jack uh, 
dash get a get his hands on the on the remote and just like steal it from that billionaire (laughs) (laughs) yeah so they so then this is really the home stretch the movie here yeah yeah we're coming up on the on everything's coming up to uh everything's coming to a head yeah so we know what this is where as we talked about in the first Incredibles podcast, which you were a spectator for. That's right. I listened to it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. But we talked about the part where you catch the villain monologuing. That's right. Or that Geico commercial. As long as villains explain their plans, you can count on Geico saving folks money. That's right. So that's what happens. She tells us what her plans are. And right. Now we're, it, it ends up being so... Now they send all these supers to the house, which is just great because they know exactly where they live. Exactly. Yeah, they've got the exact location because they gave them the location. Yeah. The location is theirs. Right. And meanwhile, Winston is working on the superhero summit that's going to basically they're going to televise. We're going to make superheroes legal. We're going to put it on TV. And so this is the big thing, and she's like, "I'm gonna sabotage that entire thing." Right. Yeah. And then she's this is, like, this is the perfect chance to show that supers are bad because she can just say that Elastigirl and all the other supers drove the boat into the city. Yeah. And then just start like going to town and everyone there. Um, a perfect chance to to show that supers are not to be trusted. Yeah. So yeah. we could at this point I think we could tell this is gonna be setting up where it's gonna be all on the kids, which I love this aspect of now the kids have to be the ones to be the heroes. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was great to see them have their time to shine and uh and exhibit their powers and uh just like in the first movie to be able to prove themselves and show that they are capable of being heroes right now. And for the first like basically everything up to this point, they're basically Bored. They have to do math yeah. homework, be crying, eating ice cream, no yeah. dates, like <laughs> struggling yeah, with, with being a teenager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Dash, you know, he's got so much energy and he can't use his powers. And so here they are. They're called into action. They have to take care of Jack Jack while they're doing this. Yeah. But they also have a little bit of an idea that Jack Jack could be a weapon they can use. Right. They they start to realize as they escape that Jack Jack is uh, is able to at least do something, and they don't seem to have full control over it yet. But with him in the suit, they're able to at least uh, weaponize him a bit and use him as like a little like laser gun. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, that was really great. It's yeah. fun when they're in the yard and they're playing with Jack Jack. Yeah. Like he's got powers. Yeah. <laughs> and then when the uh, when the other supers come to attack and then Lucius goes down like a like a hero for them yep. until he gets uh until he gets hypnotized. Yep. But he buys them time. Right. Man, what a G. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. Yeah. So now here we are. Now we're going everything's coming to a head on this cruise ship. That's right. Yeah, so they yeah, so they they get up there and they're able to one by one get the glasses off of everybody and uh, and save them. And then what there's like missiles, right? The missiles started coming down on them. Was that what's happening? No. Um well they have to turn the boat. That's right, they have to And turn then the they have to go up to get um, so avoid shooting her Elastic Girl through the portals. That's right. Yes. Yes. Well yeah, she's shooting yeah, into she's shooting the plane. through the portals, getting her 
uh, giving her more and more momentum. And we have another callback here to another Incredibles darker thing where they're drinking alcohol. Oh, no. <laughs> drinking oh, alcohol no. in a Pixar yeah. movie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but she's basically acting all silly because she's up way high in the air and yes, not that's getting enough right. oxygen. That's right. Yeah, she was she was losing oxygen, and then she had to uh, she had to take on screen slaver uh, whilst like you know losing brain cells. Yeah, yeah. So what stuck out to you here on the cruise ship? What were you, what were you liking? Oh man, I mean, I think I think the most fun part was seeing the the fight happen between all the other supers, and uh, and just getting to see new powers and and all the possibilities that can be unleashed with that but i but also to be fully honest there was uh, at that point i was just in full-on like need to pee mode and i was like, oh I no i was just like i can't leave because it's the climax <laughs> when i just i have to go so bad <laughs> man were you drinking yeah. like a lot of pop or something yeah i had a yeah we we had just had uh dinner at a place and it was just i I forget what day it was, but it was just a really hot day, so I was just loading up on water, which was not good. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, We won't go into too much depth on that. (laughs) Well, let me tell you about that right now. So so I get to the bathroom, and then... (laughs) Oh, boy. <laughs> You're gonna be lucky to come back after the right. hate mail I get here. <laughs> no, I'm glad to have you. Yeah, yeah, I'm but, glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, I th- I really love. There's that crusher guy. I think. Yeah. And they're like, you have to uncrush, and it just wrecks his brain. <laughs> He's like, uncrush, uncrush. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but I crush. <laughs> It was cool that Void got to step up and be a hero. Yeah. And work with her hero, Elastigirl. Right. I thought that was great. I hope if they ever make an Incredibles 3, it'd be fun to see more of Void in uh, in the next one. I could see a lot of... I can see a lot of potential with like maybe Void and Violet like doing some work together. Definitely. And yeah, I think that would be sweet. That was definitely what I, I was going to ask you is if the, you think there's a future for a third movie because as I had mentioned, we'd like to see some of these characters maybe in a few years, see what Jack-Jack's like as a little kid right. and maybe the uh, the parents have to work off a little more rust and do you think there's a potential there? Do you think they want to go in that direction? I think there's some potential there. I think that there could be um, a movie about them being like, okay, so we have a reputation back. Now we're legal. legal again. Yeah. yeah, and and seeing what they do moving forward and, uh, and kind of moving away now from the uh, public opinion uh, plot line. And I think... I mean, this is kind of a, 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 I think public opinion plots and are are kind of staples in superhero stuff. And I think they can move on to another staple plot in superhero things, which would be uh, recognizing well, like does our presence create uh, supervillains? Yeah, like, you know, like the whole Batman thing where it's like, well, you know, the Joker and Penguin and Mister Freeze and all of them, they didn't come up until I started, till I put on the mask. It was just me beating up gangsters at first, and now we got freaks and masks taking me on, too. So it'd be interesting to see that for the third one. Yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Yeah. How sure. about how about the topic of going back to Screenslaver? Was there any kind of statement here, do you think, that they were making with fake news? Was that a topic? Fake news, huh? Where you put it on a screen and people are going to believe it? 
I think maybe there might have been some. There might have been some. Uh, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a good question. I need to rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it was. Yeah. I think it was fun looking at a lot of things from the PR lens, the media lens, and the just the idea. You think of Screen Slaver. Ooh, what's that? Right. <laughs> so. Right, yeah. Hypnotism I mean, on the news stations, what's not. Right, the, I mean, yeah, the idea of, I mean, people believing anything and, uh, and you know, they just, they see it on a screen and they think like, oh, it must be legitimate. Yeah. So there's there have been a couple times where I'll be like, so I enjoy the website Babylon B. Yeah, you know, it's hilarious. such a funny like, so website. Great. Yeah, yeah. And the times I'll, like, I'll either read like a Babylon B article or an Onion article. And there's always, always somebody who thinks that this is legitimate. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, it's this so is funny. disgusting. How could someone believe this is actually... <laughs> How could someone think this is okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So overall, what did you think of this movie? Oh, I thought it was great. I think it's enjoyable. I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I'd like to see it again in theaters if, uh, um, if I ever... You know, find the time for it. Or, you know, there's so many movies out there I got to see, though. <laughs> How does it measure up to the original for you? I think I liked it just as much as the original. Okay. Yeah. I think it was just as good. So tied in your Pixar rankings yeah, now? Yeah, <laughs> tied in my Pixar top five rankings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. It was basically, yeah, it was a, it was a good sequel. It had the same comedy aspect. It had the same clever wittiness to it. Yeah. But we didn't even talk about the final ending where they finally go on the date. Yeah. And then they're called into action again. And that was really funny. They had the great part where they're all putting on the masks. It's like another callback to the first movie. Right. And they do a cut to Tony, and he has no idea what's going on. Right. They just, like, kick him out of the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go buy out. some popcorn, buy, yeah. buy tickets. We'll see you later. We'll be back in a little bit. Yeah. And I was surprised Violet went with them, too. Me, too. I was thinking, like, she finally got this date, and, like, you'd think that she'd just be like, oh, I'll sit this one out. And, like, yeah, like, we yeah. got three heroes here and Jack-Jack, so I'd right. like, be fine. I, you guys got it. Don't worry. I'm finally going on this date. I mean, I know I definitely feel the temptation of just being like you guys got this like it's not gonna be i mean we fought off syndrome we fought off the screen slaver how bad could this third person be but like (laughs) i think that shows though even though she acts like a teenager and she's embarrassed by her family and whatnot that she does really enjoy the hero work yeah it was nice to see that it's definitely not something that she resents being and that she's uh, embracing it Yeah, yeah she's not embarrassed by it she thinks it's fun, yeah. but you would think she might be like above it and like, oh, this is so lame, or yeah. I'll do it when you guys need me to. But right, nice family <laughs> aspect of it. Yeah, for sure, and it's so fun too, just seeing like the make a family business out of out of superhero. Work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I went to see this with my family, so nice. great family film. Great Actually, that would be a good, that would be an interesting concept for a third Incredibles movie. Yeah, is um is you know they've been doing this family thing for a while and now they've kind of grown up more and then like violet or dash or something is like you know what i want to be a solo act now oh yeah i'm gonna be my own yeah spin-off movie yeah just an interesting thing yeah or well not even just a spin-off movie but just seeing the uh but just seeing the band break up yeah the band break up and everyone wanting to do their own thing like with uh batman and uh and his first robin being like, no, forget this. I don't want to follow your orders anymore. I'm going to be Nightwing now. Yeah. I'm going to go over to the town next door, and, and I'm going to be a hero there. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. 
Or the idea of maybe they're disjointed years in the future and the hero work is what brings them together. Yeah, that too. That would be good. That'd be interesting to see. Yeah, like maybe they've just done too good of a job superheroing and there's nothing really to be yeah. heroes about anymore. So they just kind of all go off and they're like selling insurance or something. And Where does... I know it's really hard to compare, but where do the Incredibles movies stack up in terms of your favorite superhero films? Favorite superhero films... Ooh, that's hard. I think... Okay, if, you're, if we're comparing it to other superhero films, it's definitely lower on the totem pole. Um, but that's also... But that's it's also a not fair comparison yeah. just because of... I mean, I love, like, Spider-Man and the Avengers and all of that was just, you know, a, like a big part of growing up and they had just a bigger presence in... Uh, in my life because they just generated more content so there's a lot more emotional connection to those to those things i think but how about you yeah it's really hard to compare uh, i wasn't expecting to be put on the spot i normally yeah. ask the questions <laughs> um no I'm, I'm giving you a hard time i i don't know i mean they probably probably somewhere out in the top five yeah yeah nice. i mean i'm a big fan the first avengers movie was pretty high up there for me the first two Spider-Man movies, um, and I love the X-Men. I think that's like the standard for yeah superhero. And then again, I don't really like to compare DC in there too because it's such a different tone compared right. to Marvel. So it's really hard to yeah. compare them. It's not a fair question on my end. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, it was a solid movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was the first movie I've seen in theaters in over a year and a half because of my health. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one to come back to. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm going to see Incredibles too. Yes, for sure. Next one <laughs> on my list is Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew looks good, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're not as big a sports fan, but all those uh, ex-NBA players and WNBA, too, Lisa Leslie, they're all showing yeah. up. So it'll yeah. be really fun. I heard their acting chops were not bad. Wow. I mean, yeah, I am. Uncle Drew did look hilarious, so I'm excited <laughs> to see that. What's on any, uh, just give me a quick, couple quick hits here. Uh, what's on your list for the summer? List for the summer to see? Yeah. Uh, does that include stuff I've already seen or? Uh, coming up. Coming, coming up. up. Let's see. Coming up, um, well, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp yep. coming up. I think it's this weekend. Oh, wow. I'm, yeah, I'm excited Yeah, we're in July that. already. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, Ant-Man and the Wasp I'm excited for. And then, I mean, as far as summer movies go, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp was the last one that I was, like, really pumped about. Like, because then we already had Incredibles 2, we already had Avengers, um, we had Deadpool 2. Uh, oh, well, this one also just came out that I really want to see is, uh, is Won't You Be My Neighbor? Oh. Which is, uh, it's a documentary, but it's, it's all about Mr. Rogers, and I've heard Oh, it. yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I've heard it's fantastic. Cool. There's, um, yeah. I wanna, I wanna see that one. Definitely bring a tissue box. I also wanna see. I think, I think this one's coming more in November. But um, the the Christopher Robin movie. Oh was yeah. Just super heartwarming and and wonderful and yeah. Cool. I think those would be good. Sweet. So Tommy, lastly, is there anything that you would like to promote? You want to promote uh, your film services for anyone who's interested? You want to give out social media handles, anything of that nature? Yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to hit me up for some, uh, uh, to make some kind of a short film or uh, or needs my services, uh, make any kind of advertisements, uh, ideas, 
Uh, you can hit me up at webertommy3 at iCloud.com. That's, uh, I think that's a good email to, to reach me at. Uh, and then I think, uh, I mean, I really need to, uh, you can also, if you want to see some of my work, you can visit my website, which is uh, www.tommyweber.wix.com slash my site. You have to include the my site, otherwise it doesn't show up. Uh, but yeah, that's you, you can you've see. done a lot of video editing. You've made films. Yeah, I made some films. I made some stuff that's won awards in film festivals. Congrats! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got a short, I've got a short horror movie coming out soon. Whoa! Um, called Hold Your Breath, uh, which will be making the rounds in film festivals and then will eventually be out for distribution but keep your eyes out for that great uh, and then other than that you know you yep. can visit my imdb page and oh and yeah see, see what else i'm working on <laughs> and um if people want to read if you do you tweet about any movies or shows that you watch um not as often as i should i should okay. definitely get more of a twitter right. presence out there do you want to give the yeah. twitter just in case um no, I think I need to. No, I think I need to make a. Okay. I have my personal Twitter account, but I think I need to make like a different Twitter account for okay. professional stuff. All right. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> well, Tommy, thank you so much for coming out here doing this show with me. Hopefully, yeah. we'll do another one. Sometime. My pleasure. It's a lot of fun. You yeah. did a great job. Thank you. You too. You're a good host. Thanks. Yeah. Really appreciate that. Thanks for supporting the show. Coming out here, a lot of fun. My pleasure. And so great to see you after good all to these see years. You too. So there you have it, Tommy Weber coming in clutch. Man, had a great time talking Incredibles 2 with him. And I hope that if you just saw this movie and you were interested, you didn't have anyone to talk about it with, we were able to provide some thought there for you, something that you felt like you could participate in. And I know I really enjoyed the movie. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to talk about. So thank you to everyone for listening. Coming up on the podcast, should be some sports stuff coming up soon with NBA free agency kicked into high gear. I can't believe LeBron's already playing on another team, and we're not even at the 4th of July, and we know where he's going to be playing next year. I know that was a hot-button topic, so that should be a lot of fun to talk about. In addition to that, got to talk MLB All-Star rosters. Eventually, we'll get there with Jordan Morandini. Haven't gotten there yet, but we will. So we'll be keeping you, giving you some sports content soon. Later in the summer, hopefully do some more of these movie podcasts. I really enjoy them. Maybe talk some more video games. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you so much to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, subscribe to Press On Sports on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're now on Spotify. You can listen to us on Spotify now. And if you want to give us a review on iTunes, that'd be great. We don't have any reviews yet. So if you want to give us that uh, five-star review and uh, comment on what you like, feel free to, uh, at any point, tweet me your thoughts at Velvia7. That's at V-E-L-L-V-I-T-A-7. I would love I love participating in the conversation. So what did you think of the new movie? <laughs> what did you think of The Incredibles? Go ahead and tweet me your thoughts. I'd love to talk about it or talk some backyard baseball, sports, whatever it is. So go ahead. You can find me on there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, I'm good for now. Bring in the Dancing Lobsters. <laughs>